Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest episode of The Game Is About Glory, where we're going to take a look back on what just happened at the Death Star between our not-so-mighty-today Tottenham Hotspur and the lowly Woolwich Wanderers, a.k.a. Arsenal, uh, who managed to get a 2-1 victory over us. A quick word before I get into anything else. If you've tuned into this week's pod expecting uh, a bashing of the manager, the players and needs to be flying off the undersides of desks and fracturing themselves, you've come to the wrong place. We're here to talk about the game with a cooler head, an analytical approach and to try and find any positives we can and to be honest about the negatives we saw. If that's not your bag, you'd be best off tuning out. But if it is, get yourself a cuppa. Maybe something stronger is necessary. Settle in because we've got the show that you're going to need to hear. I'm your host, THFC Steph, and I do want to remind you to please make sure you're subscribed to The Game Is About Glory via your favourite pod platforms. And once you love it, which you will, do the right thing and leave us five-star reviews, general digital love and Bitcoin contributions. Tonight's team, Milo, Ricky and Ram. Hello, boys. Good evening. We're all prepped to uh, give you a breakdown of tonight's games. We've already discussed. We'll be talking about the Zagreb game in midweek. And we will also be looking back at the career of Eric Lamella. Before we get to any of that, guys, you know, I'm going to start with you, Ram. What was the last TV show you binge watched? Thanks, Steph. I'll tell you what. I'm actually currently binge watching for the second time Curb Your Enthusiasm because my other half has never watched it. So we're on season three at the moment and I'm well on the way with that. A very good choice for any Tottenham Hotspur supporter. Ricky, how about you, mate? Hi, Steph. You're right. What have I watched recently? I've just finished watching Band of Brothers, which is, well, a fascinating look of World War II and what it's like from a soldier's perspective and being involved in something like that. And what I could say is the last episode is pretty harrowing and something that is even sadder to think that that actually happened. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, actually. And I've, it's been one of those uh, series that it's on the list of series I need to see. So I'm going to take that under solid advisement and put it to the top of my list. Well, basically, the last episode is the soldiers discovering concentration uh, uh, camps, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Sorry. I, I'll still follow it through. It sounds, yeah, it sounds... It, it, There's it no has spoilers a, there. No, like, no. Sadly, sadly, you're right. History has sadly offered no spoilers to that horror. I'm sure you're absolutely correct. Milo. Nice, good Steph. evening. <laughs> All right. How are what, you doing? Good. What have you been uh, binge watching, my friend? Um, I'm currently binge watching Parks and Recreation, which I've never seen before and working my way through it. And I'm on season three as well and really enjoying it. Yeah, I binge watched uh, a French uh, CIA style show. Obviously, the French don't have the CIA. They I think they have the DGSE uh, or DGCE. Someone is going to correct me on that. It's called Bureau. Five seasons, absolutely brilliant. Uh, heartily recommend it. And I'm actually now binge watching Prime Suspect again for the first time in about 15 years. And it holds up big time. And Helen Mirren is absolutely superb. So big up to Helen Mirren. Not such a big up, sadly, for our beloved Spurs today. 2 1 defeat at the Death Star. I mean, to be fair, it's not been the happiest of hunting pits for us in the past. But I think. You know, we should we should analyse this with a with a clear head. I think I'd like to do if we can do that. First of all, Ram. I mean, let me ask you: uh, Were you surprised uh, with the lineup? Were you surprised to see Doherty selected ahead of Aurier? I wasn't because him and Bell have had quite a good relationship over the last few games when they have played together. 
in hindsight, yes, Oreo should have started. But in, in terms of the initial starting eleven, I think that was pretty much our strongest team, mm. um, bar Oreo. Okay, uh, Ricky. Looking at how the first half uh, panned out, give us your give us your reaction as uh, after the first fifteen minutes. Um, well, I was hopeful. I mean, I, I agree that the um, selection was pretty much what we all expected, and I thought with the momentum we've kind of built in recent games that we I felt massively confident before the game, but it became quite quickly that they they set the stall out and their intentions were a lot greater than ours in that first fifteen minutes, and you could see they'd been working on working on tactics, and it was basically given us a lot of trouble mm. to try and get some kind of fluency going, which then reminded me of other games in the past. <laughs> but you know, I didn't want it to. Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought just to throw in before I come to Milo, I thought that Arteta actually, you know, got his tactics spot on by targeting the defenders in our side who really don't distribute very well, and that includes the goalkeeper. But, you know, Milo, I wanted to ask you, um, actually looking back a little bit at what happened on Thursday against the Greb, which is an extremely physical game. Mm. Uh, Twofold question, how much do you think that impacted the whole team today and specifically our two central midfielders, uh, one of whom took an absolute battering on Thursday, it must be Mm. said? It was certainly our toughest game, both in terms of the quality of opposition, but also in terms of the physical challenges that we had on Thursday night that we've had in Europe so far this season. So I think it definitely took its toll. Zagreb were very, very, very physical, and there were a lot of borderline challenges going in there. And Ndombele was on the receiving end of a lot of them. I mean, he should have had a penalty, shouldn't he? And there there were some really dirty challenges going in on him. But Bale took a couple as well. Kane obviously came off and uh, had to have ice on his uh, on his knee. So, you know, he'd taken a battering. But they were they were flying in all over the place. And I think I think it was a hard game. You know, I think before the before that game we thought we'd got off lightly because we didn't have to travel for it. And thank God we didn't, because if we'd had that kind of battering and, and then got home in the early hours afterwards as well, it would have been even worse. So yeah, I definitely think it it, it had it took its toll. And Dumbele had his, his quietest game for a while. Bale didn't have a particularly bright game either wouldn't nor did Kane you know I think that 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 was the problem we had was that our our big game players really didn't turn up do you think there's also uh, an argument that really our side and the metronome of our side I mean it's not even an argument actually it's indisputable the metronome of our side is 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 Hoiberg and if Hoiberg is slightly off even by five ten percent and I felt some of his early passes simple ones were five ten percent off if he's slightly off our whole rhythm is, is off and we just don't make those connections yeah. did, did, I thought I thought that happened a lot today yeah I mean if you look back at the Everton and City games uh, earlier in the year and um, that was certainly the case there and yeah he didn't have his best game today I'm, I'm not saying that um, it makes you play well but he did only play 20 minutes on Thursday so he did have a bit of a rest so mm. at least he you know was one with fresh legs but I wonder if you combine the mental fatigue of the incredibly long season that we're involved with. And I mean, everyone is, everyone's there. Well, not everyone. A large selection of clubs are there. I think we've had the, the more games than anyone in Europe, though, by a couple. So I wonder if you throw that in and then, you know, let's not make this all about the fact that we were so poor in that first half, which we were. The goons got, got it. They got it spot on. And Arteta got it spot on, you know. It shouldn't have been too much of a surprise, though, because if we think back to that game in December, um, when Arteta was boasting about how many crosses they got in, all of them were from the from our right hand side, from from their left. So 
piling in on that side, trying to isolate the fullback and getting getting crosses in. It was pretty obvious that that's what they were going to what they were going to do. I mean, the way they did it was slightly different this time. It wasn't so much crosses; they were making nice little triangles down there and finding space. But targeting that side seemed pretty obvious. I mean, in fact, it's what most clubs tried to do against us, no matter who is playing fullback. But I think the key today was that it wasn't so much about what they did with the ball; it's what they did to us without it. And Ram, I know you were going to make a similar point. Definitely. I think, you know, that it is that they were just a bit more clinical uh, and I'm not uh, not in terms of clinical in front of goal because they, they scored the two goals, but but they were more clinical with what they were doing in the middle of the pitch uh, and then going forward. And also, I think going back to the last game, we, you know, we held them and uh, we held them well in defence. We ended up uh, winning that game 2-0, mm. but it was more about what we didn't do today and what we weren't able to do today, I think, personally, rather than what Arsenal could do which isn't taking anything away from the fact that they won the game. And I'm not being a bitter Spurs fan about that. I just feel that when you, when with someone like Hoiberg, who, you know, as, as everyone has suggested is when they're five or 10% off, all of our players are five or 10% off. And you could really sense that at one point in the, in the first half, I was like, are we, we seem to be playing a bit nonchalantly, you know, and because we were, we were just misplacing these parts. And I thought it's like, what, you know, what, what's up with that? But actually it was that we were just off. And I think Arsenal cap- could capitalise mm. on that. Yeah. So when some went off injured, we brought Lamella on. Mora got moved to the left. And I wonder whether, yeah, he's, he's played very well at number 10 in the last few games and really linked midfield and, and the forwards well and done, done a lot of running for players who are less able to do it. And I, I wonder whether we got that the wrong way around. I wonder whether Lamella coming in at number 10, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about his goal in a minute. <laughs> but that aside... I wonder whether we we missed Mora there, and as something maybe that was just one change too many. Losing Sun was bad, but then taking Mora out of the position he's been playing very well in means that you're completely changing the uh, the setup up front. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is that is a down point. I think I think we the way we've been progressing and the momentum we've got has been with Bale and Sun being very happy in those wider positions, and it's given a kind of glutter players Mora Lamel and whatever being really happy in that ten, and it just goes to show a bit like with Hoiberg that if one of them then goes down like. Sun does we're then mm. we're then moving things around again and yeah. it just shows how vulnerable we might be to the system kind of not being as great as it was looking basically yeah and the other thing with that is that when Lamella went off Mora moved back centrally and did a really good job of moving the ball forwards I know by that stage Arsenal were sitting back they were 2-1 up they were quite happy where they were but Mora was doing a really good job of carrying the ball forwards and which we hadn't really seen quite so much but up until that point. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought Arteta nearly blew the game for Arsenal by bringing off Smith-Rowe because Smith-Rowe was, uh, I thought, the dominant player of the game. You know, he had Doherty on toast. I mean, he had actually, I think, uh, most of our midfield on toast. He was just relentless and, and, and inc- incredibly impressive. And when I saw Woolen come on for him, I, I, I felt a great mm. rush of hope. Did I not get the memo about Smith Rowe? Because I've, I, I, admittedly, I've not been watching Arsenal that much this season. But has he, has he had that consistent yes. season where he's been yeah. playing yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. he's, he's, he's yeah. an absolute catalyst for them. I mean, him and 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 Saka have been Saka. two cat, two catalytic players for them. Uh, uh, there's no doubt. And and I think uh, Tierney. Anyway, I'm not going to get into what they're doing yeah, right. That's not not <laughs> my interest. Uh, but it does lead us actually to something which you know I, I, we we should we should address it. And you know. I'm going to 
restate at the outset, I don't think it's any secret to anyone listening to this pod or anyone who knows me uh, knows how much I love uh, Maurizio Pochettino and that I've never been the greatest fan of, of Jose's. Uh, however, I, I cannot put today's game on Jose in any way, shape or form. I don't think it's his fault. I think he put the team out that most of us would have selected. I think he uh, he tried to he tried to do the right things today, even with the subs, even with those tactical switches. He's trying to get something going. Thoughts? Is it is it a worry though that he might have just been out coached? You know what I mean. I mean, Arteta he's a he's a kid of a coach, really. And I mean, he's probably. I mean, he says he's probably learned from one of the best with Pep, but um, he certainly had his flaws at Arsenal as well. And not all Arsenal fans are like completely enamoured with him. You know, throughout his period at Arsenal. But... Do you think it was that, or do you think we're just heavy legs today? I, I agree well, with. They I went to Athens, though. They did go to Athens, didn't they? So yeah, but as you're saying, we had a very hard game on on Thursday night. I just and we've played a lot of football this season. I just wonder whether we we it was just one game too many for us. And you know, if if the players were fresher, the same formation, the same the same approach, you get a different result from it. I think Reno did set set us up to let them have the ball. And to try and draw them out and create space and attack the space, it, and it didn't work out. It did, just the tactic didn't work. I mean, Steph, you were calling for Aurier for Doherty at half time, and I, I wonder whether that that's the change he should have made. It's it's tough because I think that you know my feelings on this. I think that he is definitely absolutely sees the Europa League as his get out of jail card this season and I think he also understands that he can't go to Zagreb with a 2-0 lead and 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 Doherty's not really the player you want in that game and I'm sure that he's trying to keep REA fresh for that I, I'm, I'm sure he is uh, that and I'm sure he'll I, play Ben Davis on the other side I don't agree with that I don't I don't think he's picking REA in Europe because it's his priority we've got a far better chance of qualifying for Europe through the Premier League than we have through the Europa League just just because you get you know so many more games to do it you have you have a bad couple of minutes in Europe and you're out it's it's all over and there's some really good signs left in that so the competitions are a lottery but the league we've got a relatively soft run in so I I think he picked Doherty because Doherty has been played quite well uh, recently I don't think he's been excellent but he's played quite well and I think what Mourinho's trying to do there is to try and play him back into form so I I think what he didn't want to do you know he's had a really rough start to his Spurs career he his form has been really pretty pretty poor since the beginning of the season this is the first decent run of half decent run of form he's had I'm really damning him with faint, faint praise here aren't I um the first half decent run of, uh, of decent form he's had and I think Mourinho was trying to reward him for that and uh not wanting to you know dropping him could have been quite detrimental so we, I think we, we, we agree to disagree I, I I don't think Jose uh rewards players and doesn't want to shatter their confidence I've never known him to be that sort of manager if he thinks that someone isn't up to it he'll and he's got a, an ulterior motive he will do what he needs to do but um but, uh, but I, We'll, we'll agree to disagree, but Ricky's got his hand up. That's not fair. You get the last word. That's not fair. You can't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. You can t- it's, a sh- it's a shared last word. We disagree. No, 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 no. You're wrong. and You're not letting me have the, the last word. Well, I'll let our listeners... Uh, you know what? I'll let our listeners uh, figure out the rights and wrongs of this particular segment of the pod. I would never be as 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 gauche as to say that, uh, that you were wrong, Milo, but I'll just let Jose speak for both of us on Thursday and we'll see what he does. But Ricky, help us from ourselves. The North It's boiling over. It's getting it's getting feisty. We're laughing, but there's tears behind it all. Ricky, save us. Well, I, I, I can stop the laughter if you want. Um, 
Oh no. no! I'm just, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> this is the this is the negative bit. Well, not the negative bit. This is the observational bit, which is slightly <laughs> negative. Would be I'm just a bit worried about the general ups and downs of our form. Really, it's and I said before, I think a couple of weeks ago, I'm just a bit worried that when we play anyone that's half good, we're then not that great. And if they give us a look like tactic wise that we we don't like or we can't deal with then we just look really shut down as a team and we've got unbelievable attackers and it's just i suppose most fans do just get frustrated that when we can't get it to them men then you know they're our game winners and we really look like we struggle just to get it to the men sometimes and the other thing that was a bit bizarre today which you could say maybe arsenal were dropping off is when we had 10 men we we kind of came alive and we were then taking the game a lot more to them which could have been them dropping back but i think it was necessarily I think this is that. (laughs) (laughs) This, I think, this goes back to that whole thing of, um, you know, whether we we do need, this squad does need a bit of a rebuild and and a refresh, and that's what's happening at the moment. Is we have enough quality to to beat quite a lot of the teams in the league and to and and to put on a good performance but those teams that are equal to us or uh you know or, or better than us we we do get found wanting and that's because we have Jose maybe doesn't have the squad that he really really wants at the moment and we're kind of going by the skin of our teeth at at certain points uh and if and if some if the midfield isn't operating we already know that actually our best form of uh our best form of tactic is to just try and get it to the guys in front you know and try and, and try and outscore the opposition because our defense sometimes isn't up to it but if our midfield isn't uh, like Hoiberg today, the metronome isn't isn't uh, ticking along nicely. Then we get we get found wanting, and that that is the worry. But I think that's that's where we are this season. And we've we've done five games in a row. We've won five games in a row. I think today was just one of those things where it was a perfect storm of everything going wrong, bar one moment of genius. And that's where we are with today. At least that's the, that's what I'm trying to tell myself anyway. I mean, you could, I mean, you could draw the lens out and look at the whole league and just think loads of other teams just keep having these kind of ups and downs. So, but I don't really want to make that as an excuse, but it's true. You know, most teams have gone through kind of crappy phases and then, you know, come into form for no particular reason. Uh, Ollie's United have made a, he's making a career out of it. United, apparently they do like five or six games on the trot, then lose three mm. or four games and do another run. I think one thing we ought to bear in mind is that when we're playing well, generally speaking, we've been outperforming XG. So we've the the scores or the the scale of the wins has probably flattered us slightly when we've been doing well. And um, the the inverse is true when we've been playing badly. Generally speaking, we haven't been quite as bad as our bad results. So um, and I think that was true earlier in the season when we had that run of great results in the autumn. I think they actually flattered us a little bit. And I think the last few weeks is probably the, the same is probably true. So. You know, you're never quite as good as you think you are when you're doing well, and you're never quite as bad as you think. Uh, you know, you feel you are when you're doing badly, and, and you know, I think that's the, that that's that sums up our season for me. But Milo, do we sort of outperform XG because we've got three absolute world class strikers? Yep, yep. I mean, <laughs> agree. Where actually are we as a team? We were talking before we came on about where we are and you know our priorities for the summer, and we're having a chat about Hugo not having a great game today, and you know some of our other issues. And I think I said that it reminded me a bit. Of so Klopp's first couple of sign, major signings at Liverpool, where he signed you know a really really top quality centre back, and they they pursued their first choice over a couple of windows after getting knocked back, and really good quality goalkeeper. And I think you put a really good quality goalkeeper and a really good quality centre half into our side now, and things are a little bit different. And who who, who are we going to sell for hundred thirty million to finance it? Three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i don't know how, how, how much can we get for dosi in the heart it must be close to that 
Lira. <laughs> Probably been outperforming XG, you're right, but no XG could have calculated the Megrona that we witnessed today. Oh. Not just a nutmeg, not just a Rabona, but a Megrona. It was so against the run of play, but it was just so utterly brilliant. I mean, it, it gave us every chance to propel forward, didn't it? It was better than the last Rabona, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. The, power oh, the nutmeg alone, the nutmeg alone yeah. puts it in another class, right? And, then, and, and getting true. swerve on it. <laughs> getting yeah. swerve on it. Oh, you know, there's a great, there's a great quote from uh, our commentary team actually said that the pundit they had in their studio, Danny Higginbottom, who incidentally, I think I've said here before, I think he's probably the outstanding ex-pro pundit that I've heard uh, over the last five years. He said that he tried a Rabona once in training and ended up with medial uh, ligament injuries <laughs> that kept him out for eight weeks. <laughs> I think I said before about Lamella that what you get with Lamella is sex and violence, and we got both of those today. Yeah. And that's, you know, <laughs> it's, you reckless, know it, we got full reckless Eric as well, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. <laughs> if Shakespeare wrote a footballer, it's Eric Lamella. He you should know. be an actor, shouldn't he? When you think yeah. about it, I mean, it's Jones. <laughs> just going to do the role. Unbelievable. But we, I mean, we should, I mean, look, it would be absolutely churlish and especially uh you know with the mission of this pod to try and find positives wherever we can would be absolutely churlish not to say that that was such a huge moment of 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 light in a game at which up to that point you know had been utterly dismal for us right i thought that goal alone would change our fortunes for the whole game for the whole rest of the game Uh, i was it was that good i was like arsenal aren't coming back from that based on that one goal that's how good good it was it's it's one of the it's it's one of the best goals i've ever seen in Mm. the premier league it was that good i agree how many other players in the world could score it sissoko (laughs) 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 it's a great question i i I, you know you can't really it was i mean you can't think of anyone who could have and to your point ram i i I agree i thought we were i thought crikey anyone looking at that and i mean you saw regions uh expression uh you thought they're going to push on Mm. this is it they're going to realize crikey we've got now we might have a chance to have them on toast and thus it wasn't to be but it was a goal worthy of winning the game and it's a real shame because it it was worthy of it yeah that's the second time we've had that we had hoiberg's goal against liverpool which Mm. should have been the turning point as well the absolute screamer and i thought oh okay are we coming back from this no, mm. no, we didn't indeed. I think the penultimate question I'd like to ask you all is, you know, what would a crowd in today's stadium have done to the game? Do you think it would have made a difference any more uh, than not having one? Well, was it was it louder today. <laughs> 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 yeah, there was a comment that it was actually par for the, for the Death Star, right, in terms <laughs> <Yeah>. of atmosphere. <laughs> um, I was worried that it might have been harder mm. with their crowd in getting on our backs as well you know egging the team forward even more but I mean, we touched on this before i think if if we'd have a, had the crowd in then i think our kind of mid-season collapse would have been the, like the impact on the team i'm not sure i'm not sure we would have got to this stage i think there would have been casualties along the way it was it would so I, th- I think probably for us empty stadiums have been a blessing or for our team have been a blessing this season and i don't think today would have been any different 
I agree with that. And before I get to the final uh, positive negatives, we should look at a couple of the stats from today's game. We obviously know what the score was, so I don't need to repeat that. The XG, uh, the Goons, 1.57 ourselves, 0.71. Possession stats are actually a little tighter than you might have thought. Uh, 53 for the Goons, 47 for us. They had 13 shots to our six. But as uh, Milo said before the pod started, uh, we each had the same amount of shots on target, which was three they committed 12 fouls to our 14 and uh, they had six corners to our three. So, uh, you know, I mean, you've got to say that generally speaking, it, it, you know, it was maybe tighter statistically than it looked. But, you know, we have to take it on the chin, I suppose, don't we? On, on XG, that's not including penalties. So I think that's suggesting that they should have, they were worth three goals basically on, on that to our to our one. Which does... Before I ask the question, <laughs> the uh, pluses and minuses, I keep on coming up with more questions because you guys come <laughs> up with good points. Um, two things. Was it a penalty against Davison Sanchez? Um, you give that, I if you're think, the referee, do you give that penalty? I think one thing that always bugs me in the modern game is, is usually when a striker has a shot, once they've had the shot, they can literally be railroaded by any defender mm. and they never give a penalty. When normally, mm. if you was in the open field of play, if you knocked the ball away from you and then someone actually ploughed into you, 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 you would get a free kick or whatever, a yellow card and that kind of thing. And I think it was a case of a bit of that. So it was a bit closer than normal because it wasn't long before Lacassette had his shanky shot, whatever it was called, um, before they, uh, before Davison kind of went into him. So I can see why they gave it, but in general terms, they never, ever give them. And I actually think they should give them. When someone gets ploughed into, you get ploughed into regardless. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous play on that player. And it should be awarded with a foul penalty free kick, wherever it is on the, you know, where it happens. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a little surprised for that reason that it was given because I thought the ball had gone, really. I'm confused, to be honest, because... <laughs> When, well, by when me, it, sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> what you said. <laughs> I, sh- I should have, yeah, I should have prefaced that. Not you, Ricky. But uh, uh, when in real time, I thought, great tackle. See the replay, nailed on penalty. And then the pundits said, uh, the pundits were like 50 50, saying, mm-hmm. oh, some said oh, it should have been given. Some were saying, absolutely not. Is that on Jose Sky? Came out, was it? it was Is on Sky. Sky, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And no, that confused me. And, and I think even Jose in his, in his post-match said it. I think he's, did he say it wasn't a penalty or, or he, he wouldn't have given it or something? But yeah, so I, I'm, I'm none the wiser myself. I, th- I think when I looked at it, the replay, I thought that is a penalty. The question was, if I was the referee, would I have given it? Well, if I was the referee, I would have been on the halfway line out of breath and I'm a Spurs fan, so I definitely wouldn't have given it. <laughs> Brilliant. And that is the sort of impartial, objective view that uh, that we strive for here. And I like your thinking. Yeah, well, being a similar sort of referee myself, I think, I'd have, uh, I think your level of professionalism there would have mirrored mine. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, somewhere in all this, we, we need to round this up. Uh, you know, let's... Let's just, okay. Another penultimate question, because this is relevant. I promise the longest penultimate question round ever. Would we fancy it against these if we ended up meeting them in the Europa, which feels inevitable to me, providing everything goes right on Thursday? I don't think they're that good. I don't think they were that good today. We were really poor. I don't think they were that good. But my only worry is is that they're actually better than I thought they were today. So that's made me throw a little bit of doubt in. Because they, you know, they play some terrible games against other teams. We watch, you know, when you watch some mm. Arsenal games. But um, yeah, so it's a little bit more worrying if we did play them. But hopefully, Jose's tactical masterclass in reverse will work. So hopefully, we're out to them. 
maybe Jose knows this is coming and uh, you know Gowder's point about the League Cup final maybe maybe that he was just uh, <laughs> intentionally throwing this game in order that he can uh, you it, know do a oh masterstroke against the Europa oh, is that is that what's been happening all season is it this is the stretch Armstrong of, of, optimis- <laughs> of optimism isn't it it's brilliant closing thoughts well, this seems redundant, but let's just do it anyway. One positive and one negative in 30 seconds. I'm going to start with you, Rem. One positive is Lucas Mora. I thought he had a solid game. And in a game where our whole team off, he was the one shining light in that. Long may it continue. One negative, how easy it is for our back line, including our goalkeeper, to flap when we get pressed. Ricky? Positive is... I think we all watch football to see beautiful things and that Lamella goal was a thing of beauty. Negative, doing the maths, it's a big dent in our top four aspirations, I think. Okay, Milo? My positive was going to be the Lamella goal as well. I think maybe then I'll turn that around. And Last week, I think you were all ready to give goal of the season to Kane for... <laughs> for his goal there so I think maybe maybe that you know you're having to backtrack on that <laughs> it's my positive, That's a positive. Just like, <laughs> petty point scoring between us is my positive. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my negative is son's injury uh, I hope hopefully it's only going to be you know a couple of weeks you know he put he pulled he pulled up before um you know long before he went to the ground and so he felt that straight away hope hopefully it's not serious we need him Kane and and Bale. I, today Bale's poor, but um, he's been on he's been on good form recently. But I'm not sure how long he can continue or how many games he can play. So Sun Sun's really important, and our other forwards are a big step down from from those three. Yeah, my my positive, uh, obviously, you know, Meg Rona is, is is I think the obvious one. But I'm going to go again for another player that I thought, aside from the penalty had another really strong performance all told, especially the pressure he was under. I thought Sanchez continued mm. his rehabilitation as a first-choice centre-half. Whether he is our first-choice centre-half next season, I do not know. But I certainly feel a lot more comfortable with him as as each game goes by. thought he was very, very unlucky uh, with the penalty. And uh, in fairness, Hugo's initial distribution was was not heroic in any way whatsoever and did not help him. I think the negative for me is that we really do still rely on Hoiberg so much and I just don't see who can come in and relieve him uh, for a game or two and I think it's uh, I think we're going to have to at some point we need to gamble with Harry Winks maybe doing that more than Sissoko because you need someone who can turn and play that ball quickly and initially I know it's controversial and I know that some will disagree we're out of options because Skip of course is at Norwich so I do worry I worry about Pierre's fitness and I think he's the player we really have to manage carefully yeah, Lo Celso to come back soon, though, so that gives us some other options. He can play in midfield, so maybe Mourinho's preferred him further forwards this season, but there might be options there. That is an excellent point, and, yeah. uh, and, and uh, I mean, the fact I have to say it is an excellent point means that I've taken away the last word from Milo, <laughs> which I'm really trying hard not to, because it was an excellent point, and it's Milo's point. So just for everyone, I just want to go on record as saying that Milo has made, had the last word with an excellent point <laughs> regarding our future options uh, with, with Gilles Celso. That is Milo's point. He's copywritten it, and I'm not going to poo emoji it. I think you'll find when you listen back to this on Tuesday morning, I'll have the last word on everything, Steph. (laughs) (laughs) Editorial control. (laughs) Very good. So, looking back uh, last Thursday, we're actually at half time in the Europa League tie against Dinamo Zagreb, a 2 0 victory against uh, a rather dirty side. We've already covered that. 
Um, guys, let's just keep this brief because we do have to cycle through. It is half time, as I just said, in the tie. Can we afford to put out a slightly weaker side in this second leg? I'll start with you, Milo. Well, my son's certainly not going to play, is he? So that's one player who started on Thursday who won't be playing this week. I'd be worried about starting Ndombele again as well, uh, based on the kind, of, kind of treatment he got. And I'm pretty sure that they'll, um, they'll, they'll target him again. And I was thinking again about the Arsenal game today with Ndombele. I think he's got to be a little bit cleverer with some of the challenges he's getting. He, he, he is a player who likes to ride a challenge. He likes to go through players. But I think sometimes he'd do well to knock the ball forwards and take, take the challenge and go down and make a bloody great big noise about it. I think that's because, a great point. It's a great because point. It's a great I, because, because I think he's worth countless free kicks and penalties from that because people don't know how to handle him. So you know, keep the ball tight, go through there, and then at the right time, knock it, knock it long, take the challenge, go down, scream. To your point, if he takes the first challenge, then he doesn't get whacked two more times and end up yep. with the free kick that he would have got if he just... So uh, I think it's a fantastic point. I mean, 2 nils not as convincing as we would have liked. Another goal, you know, he should have had a penalty. And if we if we got that, you know, a penalty with Kane is, is as good as a goal. So, you know, 3-0, three, three I'd be pretty confident with us uh, doing a bit of rotation. But I'd be tempted to go Sissoko, Sissoko and Winks on Thursday um, sun's out. I think you're definitely going to play Lamella because Lamella's going to be suspended next weekend. So there's nothing to worry about there. I don't know. I mean, Kane looked a little bit out of sorts today, didn't he? And he took some rough treatment last Thursday. So maybe you start him on the bench and you start Vinicius and um, and hope that, you know, we don't need to bring him on. Other than that, it would probably be an unchanged side for me. Ricky, do you think there's an argument for Eric Dyer being the man to lead us through uh, Thursday? Yeah, I think Dyer will play again and probably Sanchez. I think Sissoko probably will play with Winks. I think, as you say, we need to maybe give Hoiberg some rest if we can because he does seem to take the weight of the team on his shoulders. I actually think Lacelso might play a bit on Thursday. Mm. Has anyone heard any kind of... I think it sounds like he's well on his way back. I think he was near yeah. like the light and he's looked like he's been in training from the things I've seen. So he's been running around mm. and doing full contact training and all that kind of thing. So I reckon it might be Bale, La Celso and Lamella. And I think Kane will start because I think I said in the chat, I think one goal means they need four. So if we can just get that one goal, then I can't see them getting four, basically. Ram, what do you think? Uh, we, you know, we're again, 2-0 up at half time. Essentially, we only need to score one goal. I mean, surely we can't collapse after that, can we? I think idealistically, I'd like to see us rest a few players, but I think we'll go strong. It would be good to see Sissoko and Winks in the middle. But again, I think Jose will go with the strongest team available based on you know who's trained well. And if we can get that one goal, then yeah, we can start looking at maybe players that uh, need the rest, get them off. But I'm not sure we'll see wholesale changes, although that is what I would like, because I do think we are good enough to hold on to a two-goal lead away. I'm going to wrap it up by saying I think we're going to lose 2-1. I think we'll get the job done. I think he will rest players. I think he knows he has to. And uh, I think we'll squeak through. All will be well. We'll get a little bit of rest. But, you know, it won't be easy. We never make it easy. That's not our football club. And it's, you know, our football club is about excitement, enigmas, unpredictability, flair, It brings us to our next segment quite naturally, which I promise everyone was pre-planned before the events of earlier today at the Death Star. Uh, Talking about the one and only Eric Lamella. Only Harry Kane and Hugo Lloris of the current squad have been at the club longer, which makes Eric uh, a true veteran. And, you know, we're going to look back at his time with us. Um, 
that you know that, that who he was when he arrived who he is now look at some details and each of you will have an element of his career to address and discuss and i'm going to start with you ricky what were you expecting when the milo nicknamed swiss tony uh, franco baldini initially bought him to the club as part of the uh, magnificent seven or whatever they were i can't quite remember what they were called back uh under AVB in 2013. Well, my, my expectations were high. I mean, looking back at Eric's kind of pathway, I mean, he had, he was, he had good pedigree. I mean, coming from Argentina at River Plate, he looked like another one of the um, next big thing, kind of right for export to Europe. And before he joined Roma, he had offers from Barcelona. They thought well enough of him. I think when he joined Roma, he was only 19. But he certainly performed for them. He settled in quite quickly, especially for someone that's come to Europe. I think he got 19 goals in 62 appearances for them. But it was in his second season where he got 15 goals in, I think, 33 games, which brought him to our attention. And I think, as Milo says, we sent Swiss Tony on the old kind of jet over, Levy's jet maybe, and talked with the big kind of wad from the bail sale at that big fat wallet of Levy, not, you know, not too scared to spend it. And I think we broke our transfer record, didn't we? Was he 30 million? I think um, bringing him in at that time. And how could you not be excited with that? Especially someone that looks like they've proven that they've taken the step from South America to Europe and still a young kid. And Mike's, you know, we were all excited. I mean, obviously, we had a lot of signings to be excited with at that stage. Yeah, he came in. And I think my expectations of him was seeing some of his Roma stuff, I thought he was going to be more of a kind of, because looking at that kind of left side, he, that right side he played and he used to cut in on his left, I thought he looked a bit like kind of like Van Persie when he used to come in off the wing off Liverpool, uh, for Arsenal like that, or maybe Mahrez and that, because he like, seemed to like to come in and shoot and take that, score that goal in the far bottom corner. But I mean, I'd need to watch some of the Roma games to see if he then showed any of the kind of attributes that we now see he's got with his kind of, um, his kind of, assassin face and his master of the dark arts and the kind of evil eyes and that kind of thing which actually belies i mean i did actually i mean i direct someone towards there was a youtube video uh, from transworld sport i think from about eight years ago of eric lamera when he was 12 years old playing for river plate and looking at him then he had the angelic kind of baby face kind of uh wonder kid and you'd never sort of you'd never look at him now and think that that was the same person just, is, is this just proof that you get the face you deserve yeah <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he looks so sweet and like an angel. I mean, there were comparisons with him as being someone like uh, Francesco Totti. Yeah. There was also, I think, a slight misconception because it was a sliding doors moment when he was signed, wasn't it? Because Bale hadn't quite left the building and it was sort of like someone somewhere knew that he was definitely going. And so he came through. You know, did you have an expectation of him to being a Bale replacement? Yeah, I don't think he was ever that. I think, and I think he suffered from that because I think people that saw... Thought of him as a wide player. Uh, obviously, we spent a lot of money on him. And and, and then he suffered from those comparisons because I'm not sure that's what he ever was. And, I mean, Ericsson probably spent more t- more time out in that position than than Lamella had, and, you know, certainly uh, you know, uh, up until recently. And and at Roma, my understanding is is that the Roma fans were grooming, thought we, the club should groom him as Totti's successor, so as a number 10 rather than as a, as a winger. Um, and you can certainly see that from these last few years. So I think a lot of the frustration with him or criticism of him has been you know a lot of our fans thought he was Bale's successor and then they've judged him against that and I'm not sure he ever was that 
I agree with that. And I mean, his early career as well, we talked about this, those seven players came in under AVB and then suddenly AVB uh, and Daniel Levy had what could best be described or politely described as a communication breakdown, uh, all sorts of rumours going on, toys from the pram, doors locked, wouldn't come out, uh, you know, all of that business. And it must have been very hard on two fronts. I mean, number one, there's seven players trying to knit together. And number two, you know, this is uh, the premiership. They've come into a completely foreign environment. So you're looking at two things. Uh, And we did see an early sign of Lamella's extraordinary skill, obviously, against Asteris in Europe, the Europa League 2014, for what we thought might be the only Rabona goal of his career. (laughs) (laughs) What does anyone remember thinking when he scored that goal? Did you see this as, ah, maybe it's going to be a liftoff? Maybe this this is the moment? I think for me, uh, out of all those seven players that came through uh, with the Bale star, he was the one, and I guess a lot of people thought this, he was the one I was most excited about. I didn't see much of that, obviously, when he started, but that goal for me, and I, I'm, I've said this before on the pod, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a romantic with things like that. For me, it was like, that, that's the goal, right? That's the kickstart. We're going to work this a Spurs legend in the making. This is where it all kicks on. And I remember seeing his stats from his last season at Roma, um, and he showed he, he always showed flashes, flashes of little brilliance, flashes of what he could do with his one foot. That was for you, Milo. And um, so I, I thought I really thought he would kick on from there. And it's not quite what's happened, but yeah, I think that goal for me, I thought really was going to be a pivotal moment. And it's interesting you talk about pivotal moments uh, and then, you know, this is a player who's had injury problems, Ram, and I'm going to come to you and talk to you about this. Just a quick read through here because I kind of like the way it sounds. Calf, groin, hamstring, strain, calf, strain. Hamstring, knock, hip, calf, back trouble. That is a weird way of reading his injury list uh, over a period of... of, of, Knees and toes, knees and toes. Sort of, actually. I should have tried that. Let me try that. Calf, groin, hamstring, strain, calf, injury, strain, hamstring, knock, hip, calf, back. They all connect and they knackered him for about 14 months. Uh, so, no, it's, it's, but it is true. So let's talk uh, a little bit, Ram, about, you know, do you think he was ever the same player after the hip injury? of 2016-17 and to second part of that question for you to also address how did that change him as a player in your opinion in the first part I think any player that's out for more than more than one year more than a season more than one year you know calendar year it's going to affect you mentally but let's taking away the physical side of it mentally that's got to have an impact Mm. and I actually think it's a testament to Lamella's mental fortitude that he did come back from that and he has given us uh, the career since then at, at the club in terms of how it affected him I think one thing I found very strange and I remember on the forum actually the glory glory forum people started there was a big discussion about this was just how how the club was it was just zero zero chat about his injury so no one actually knew what quite what was going on there was talk of a career ending injury there was talk of his you know never been able to uh, his 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 hips completely done then there was talk of his back and then he was going to Rome back to Roma and you know going to see the doctor there with the club's blessing so it was all a bit cloak and dagger and I think that I mean to to be honest, that adds to the enigma of Eric Lamella, you know, it's just kind of thoughts about him from there. But I thought we would that he would never come back from that. I thought you can't be out for more than a calendar year and no one knows what's going on and he's going to come back and have a career with us. He proved, Actually, you he, make, just, just to judge you, you make a very good point because I remember thinking at that time that he may never come back from Italy. I thought once he'd yeah. gone, he might not come back from Italy. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Carry on. No, no, I agree with you. And, and that was it. It seemed, I, my, my personal feelings at the time were that he, he went back to Italy because he wanted to go back to somewhere he felt safe. 
perhaps or somewhere mm. he felt loved and maybe we hadn't shown him that love and you know what what were what was these injuries but fair play to him he came back and in terms of how it's changed him as a player I actually don't think it's changed him that much I think he's the same player he would have been without the injuries he's still a shit house. he still gives his all he still you know comes up with the odd in- incredible moment and he still comes up with the, the moment which makes you put your head in your hands you mentioned the word shit house. <laughs> it's become like a double barrel surname and uh, I'm looking at you Milo because Lamella the shithouse years is your providence and I want you to walk us through you know uh, what you think what you would think of him if you were an opponent if you uh, mm. what you would think of him if you were an opposition fan and you know even though I'm sure we will all agree on the answer to this question you should have the joy of explaining your favourite bit of Lamella shithousery I disagree with Ramon a little bit about whether it's changed him. I, I, he definitely lost pace from that injury. So I think being a little bit slower has probably brought the shit house that was always there to the fore. There was a Football 365 piece, a wonderful line in that, where it said, um, those who thought that they were getting a fancy £30 million footballer with a bit of an Argentinian shit house on the side have never quite come to terms with getting a £30 million Argentinian shit house with a bit of a fancy footballer on the side. And I think that's probably the... Um, the best kind of explanation of uh, Eric Lamella and Spurs fans' love-hate relationship with him um, that, I've, that I've seen. Opposition fans must hate him. And when we were talking about cult footballers the other week, uh, so I wasn't on that pod, but I think um, I think Lamella squarely falls into that category because I think he's a player that Spurs fans, lots of Spurs fans, can appreciate what he brings to the game. I think you know what he brings to the side, but I think a lot of opposition fans who probably only see him kick shit out of their players a couple of times a season and then don't don't see him the rest of the time probably you know uh, are unaware of so i think he i think he kind of falls into that category in terms of his charge sheet i mean obviously his ongoing battle with uh, fabregas was uh, something that we could all get behind and looking away while standing on his uh, on fabregas's hand was i mean worthy of a testimonial on its own the winding up of uh, of wilshire and uh, and calling him a fucking pussy as they walked off the pitch again fantastic yeah, his part in the Battle of the Bridge, wonderful. But what was what was amazing was that this was his first red card for us. Yeah, he's had 30 yellow so, cards previously with no reds, yeah. But I have to tell you, just coming off the back of what you're saying, I did somehow have a thought that the football gods were looking down and saying, well, you've got that for what you did at Old Trafford when you fell over as if you'd been shot by a sniper with what was at best a slight brushing of the hand from Martial. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in there, it, it, I, I, it felt like, mm, he, I don't know, maybe he, finally he, he, <laughs> it's come back he, to you. He, he walks the line, doesn't he? But never getting that, you know, until today, never getting that second yellow. And I think he was a little unlucky today to to be sent off. I, th- I think it actually shows that he's actually quite quite in control of himself. And and whilst it, you know, Ricky would talk about you know being one of the chaos twins, but actually I think he's fully in control of what he's doing. He's just very 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 good at pushing other people's buttons. I just have to say, I mean, when you think about today, it's the ultimate Eric Lamella performance. He's come on as a substitute. He scored quite possibly goal of the season, if not goal of the decade. And he's been sent off. I mean, he's, I mean, has, I, well, I don't think we'll ever see the likes of that performance in the Premiership again myself, uh, I have to tell you. If, if, if Ronaldo or Messi had scored that goal today, you'd be seeing it 
for the rest of the season every single day. Uh, got- I was just going to say on Sky instead, the commentators they looked they were down downcast about it, and I thought it was a real shame for what the goal actually was. But then I saw who was commentating. So mm. uh, for for our foreign fans, uh, Sky Sky had was it Alan Smith? Yeah, and Martin Tyler. Let me once again uh, take an opportunity to say how proud I was of that night at West Bromwich Albion many years ago when we abused him mercilessly in the freezing cold every time the broadcast night went on. Alan Smith, you will never be forgotten. Um, I think we would be cheating ourselves if we didn't talk a little bit about Lamella's perceived or actually real uh, favouring of his left foot. I mean, I think it's, you know been a hefty criticism over the years from the stands that it appears mm-hmm. you know if it's not left it ain't going to be right uh, is, is is this accurate does this bear out uh, you know in, in truth yeah. has he been yeah. hampered by that one foot so i'm not sure that whether he's been hampered or not he's very one-footed so you know that's definitely true but if you look at his stats he, he's as left-footed as Deli ali is right-footed so i think um, and I've made this point on here before that I think left hand, left-footed players um, tend to get criticised this for this more. I think people are less used to seeing left-footed players, and so it stands out a bit and then gets commented on. I, and I think probably the other thing with Lamella is he's a player. You know, we were talking about Ndombele before about riding a challenge too many, and Lamella is similar. So if you look at the positions on the pitch he takes up compared to Ali, he tends to hold on to the ball for longer. And uh, and that probably makes it more obvious that that he is one footed. And, and then, of course, for a while we had that signature uh, Eric Lamella move, which was running parallel to the box <laughs> from one side of the pitch to the other, and then turning around and coming back again. Uh, so he is one footed, but we've got plenty of other players who are one footed who uh, don't get the same criticism. And if you look at his stats for you know for for passes or you know generally in the attacking third they're very very good okay, I mean we've got a player here who's played well shade over 170 games for us uh, give or take five statistics as you know uh, not my strongest suit but we're right in that ballpark scored around 16 goals I think today's goal is his first in the premiership for over a year if I'm correct I'm not so sure you know if it isn't his first in over a year in all competitions he must have had some in the Europa since then mm. I'm thinking but you know, he's 29 years old. We, I think, have ascertained that he's probably better off in the number 10 if we're going to have him. You know, does he have a future with us? Do we keep Do we keep him? He's got one year left on his contract after this season. Do we offer him an extension? Do injuries make him a luxury player now? Well, I think I think at this age, it's, it's a bit like some of our other players. They're either going to give him the new contract now and then we've kind of basically accepted that we're not going to get anything for him at the end of that contract or we move him on now, just a bit reluctant to move him on, because I, I don't know if I've got, I mean, I've got a soft spot for Lamella, and although you could say that we've stood by him because of his injuries, I mean, and I have sympathy with him with the injuries, because he does come across as that he absolutely loves football, and he loves to play it, and I think, you know, Harry, Harry would probably say, we don't give you one moment of bother at training, and that kind of thing, but, um, so I, I, I don't know, because you, you can get caught with that kind of, head and heart kind of decision with these kind of things. And he's, he's putting a run of games together and he's shown his worth and maybe he's gaining experience as he's going along. As you say, 170 games is not a lot considering how long he's been here. So he's, you could then argue he's not got many miles on the clock, but he's definitely got talent. And I think he's actually got, he can actually be more creative than he is. I think he's busies himself so much sometimes with the kind of, you know, doing the defensive side as well, which I think he loves doing. He loves being that kind of, you know, Jack, Jack Russell kind of, 
snapping at people. But I think he has, he's got, there's more talent in there. And, I, and, and that probably goes back to his earlier years. And that's what everyone saw then, I think, when maybe he was at Roma and that kind of thing. When I think of Eric Lamella, I think if we have a fully fit squad, I get disappointed if he's in the starting 11. But mm. if we don't have a fully fit squad, he's one of the first players I want to see coming off the bench, you know, like if, if he's not in the starting 11. So again, it's that kind of en- the enigma of Eric Lamella. I think give him another contract. He's, he's proved his worth. Give him his testimonial. I'm going to cut in here because I actually really want to give Milo the last word on this particular question. Um, I th- <laughs> See, so I am nice. I am kind and benevolent. And, and, and but kind, benevolent people always say that about themselves and tell everyone they are, don't they? Uh, anyway, um, I, 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 it's, it's weird. I, I would give him a contract on balance. I mean, he is in many ways the quintessential modern Tottenham Hotspur player in as much as he offers moments of beauty and infuriating inconsistency. He does have an injury record and he's not he's not won anything <laughs> with us. Um, I'm hoping that he can finally see silverware with us and I'm hoping you'll see it this season. Uh, and I think I would. I think I would on balance. I think he's uh, really proven himself to be someone who can change the momentum of games in, in the last 12 months. And, uh, and, 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 you know, yes, he gets my nod for a contract. Milo, I think I'm the biggest Lamella fan out of kind of of all of us. So I'm the one who speaks up for him most often, and I wouldn't give him a new contract. Um, so um, that's only I, because I said I would, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> how, how, long's, how, how long's he got, Milo? How long's he got? He's got, left? One, he's got one year left after this, so I, I'd let him wind down his contract and let him go. I don't think anyone's going to buy him. So we, we need to rebuild. I think Lamella's great. I think his main use now is as a substitute seeing out games. And when you look at his stats, you know, about total number of appearances, I think they're a bit misleading because so many of them have been, have been off the bench. So I think he's and I think he's in some of his best form at the moment that we've seen from him in a long time. I can't think you're ahead 20 minutes to go. I can't think of a better player to bring off the bench and to see out the game than him. He's he's perfect for that. And if you're an opposing player, you'd hate to see him coming off and uh, and you having to mark him out of the game, wouldn't you? It just it'd be the worst thing, especially if you're chasing the game. You only want so him to do that for another year, then. <laughs> Is that yeah, what you're <laughs> yeah, I do because I, I don't think we we need a rebuild. We need to we need to bring through players. He's we, we've got an issue with too many foreign players, and he's on quite big money for a player who doesn't play that much so as much as i love him and how you know no matter how good he is i don't think he's got a lot of value in the market so i don't see the point in selling him this summer i'd let him see out his last year and and then let him go on a free and with fond memories final word on eric lamella and I think we've all agreed that we've thanked him for his contribution and, and hope that there is uh, still a little more magic left in those Rabona blessed feet or foot, I should say. Well, it takes two feet to pu- pull off a Rabona. So feet, feet, Eric, you've got two feet when it comes to Rabona. But the final word on Eric Lamella must land with his hair. It has to. It would be churlish <laughs> not to discuss his hair. It has been the topic of internet conversation for a long time. Memes, photos, you can find entire legendary uh, uh, chat threads about his hair. I'm going to vote for the early mohawk he sported when he first came from Roma. What a fantastic uh, head of hair that was and I just thought he, he looked just like a warrior uh, does anybody have uh, a, a favourite Eric Lamella hair or the, a hairstyle or does anyone think that there was just a diabolical one and that'll be the less fashion uh, <laughs> minded of us there so let me come in 
let me come in and just single-handedly, single-handedly round off this topic, which is going to hit the floor with the fact that when he came out with that bleached barnet earlier in the season, the, you know, the full bleached barnet that looked like really a, a dish sponge. Oh, yeah. that was a disaster. So I just want to say to, to you, Eric, if you're listening, uh, you know, the mo- you, you can get away with the mohawk. You've got the physique, the bone structure, the skill. You've got it all going for you, mate. Go Mohawk again. Go big for that final year of your contract if Milo's in charge. Uh, go big for that final two years of your of your career with us if I'm in charge. Steph, when you say about kind of it's been the, the talk of internet forums and social media, you just talk about yourself. It's you. It's you. <laughs> Did you see his haircut? Yeah. <laughs> it's better than the bleach blonde one. No, I'm not so sure about that. It's... Let me let me just say, very I, only guarantee, talk you are. <laughs> I guarantee as we bring this section on Eric Lamella to a close, I guarantee that if we go on Twitter and post the question, to our legion of followers as to what their favourite Eric Lamella hairstyle uh, has been, you will see some major, major... We'll see your first tweet in months. That's what we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's been a fun chat, this one. It's great. I'm glad that... And, 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 you know, what a day to do it. I mean, again, as I said at the top, it was planned for quite some time. And uh, I suppose in some weird, like, you know, uh, silver lining uh, moment, Eric did give us possibly the most perfect and flawed and brilliant performance he could have uh, today uh, uh, at Death Star. I just wish he'd managed to stay on the pitch to see it out. But there we go. Thanks very much, guys, for the chat. Let's bring things to a close by saying that, yes, we do have Dinamo Zagreb on Thursday, March the 18th in that second leg, which we have talked about, in Maximir Zagreb, the Stadion Maximir in Zagreb. Uh, and after that... We have uh, Aston Villa at Villa Park on Sunday, March 21st at 12.30pm. That was a game that was postponed earlier in the season and now takes place of our scheduled home game against Southampton, which has been postponed due to the FA Cup and was going to be played the previous day. And for those of you who are fans of Monty Python's Meaning of Life, reading that out has just made me think of the whole scene with coat on a lower peg, sir. Uh, and we will be back in a week to go back uh, over those games. If you're jonesing for some of the games about glory, be sure to visit our archives. And don't forget... If you like this pod, please help us by spreading the word. Tell your mates, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and whatever, all the podcast outlets that you use. Leave us some kind words and bring people to us. You can find us on Twitter at GameIsGloryPod. And on Instagram, we are at GameIsAboutGlory. Please give us a follow. Say hello. Milo, Ricky, Ram, it's been a great one, really, all told, given the, the result today. It's been, uh, you know, we've managed to have some fun and have a laugh and find some light in the darkness and all that business. Thank you so much. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. And to our listeners, we will see you in a week. Thank you very see much. Yep. Bye.